The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Let's pray together. So, Father, we need your help now to see your Son more clearly. So would you send your Spirit now through your Word, would open our eyes to see what we don't see, to see clearer what we see dimly, to encourage us, to unite us, to comfort us, to convict us. Lord, have your way in this room, in the rooms of those who are watching the live stream. Lord, have your way among us. We long for you to reign in every nook and cranny of our hearts. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let me start with a a question here to set up this introduction. How many of you have ever been on a really long road trip? How many? You can raise your hands. Yep, some of the kids. Feels longer if you're a kid too, doesn't it? Maybe. (laughs) Well, our family uh, was recently on a road trip that my kids would probably tell people is 22 hours long in each direction. So, yep, there's a, there's a groan of understanding. So, like, right, they had the trump card all week, right? We'd be at this place, and other people would say, well, how long did you travel to get here? And you could tell other kids had done well in conversations before when they said, like, well, we've done, like, nine or ten hours to get here. And my kids look and go, we did 22. <laughs> right? And so they just knew. They were engaging every single time in these conversations. And so I've been trying for a while now to look for analogies to think about what has life been like for us as a people since March of 2020. And the only word we ever use about this thing is unprecedented, right? So analogies are hard when something's unprecedented. But I said to my wife, I think I found the analogy. A 22-hour road trip with family. <laughs> I think that's the analogy. So, so why do I say that? Let me give you a few reasons. First, you're with people you love. You really love them. Right? I, I love this church. I love you. That's the good part. Second, <laughs> even when you're with people you love, it gets a little bit long. 22 hours gets a little bit long around hour six. Third, as it gets long, you start to feel claustrophobic. Right? Parts of your body start to go numb if you're the one driving. You get frustrated, restless, irritated. Fourth, you start to be tempted to take out all those things on the very people you love. Right now, for the most part, it went okay. Right, Kelly had a, a plan. There were snacks to throw at the kids when they started complaining. Right, there were CDs from Shar Pilston to put the headphones on. We listened to GT and the Halo Express, which Krista Horning shares the passion with me in that. Right, so we had all these things going on. We had minions to help us when it got really bad. And, and in all that, it went pretty well. But there were moments. Right? There's, there were moments uh, where you have to say, please don't do that to your brother. Please don't do that to your sister. And they have to say, Dad, please don't do that to us. So here, here's what I'm going to do. Review for just a moment where we've been with that analogy in mind. Right? We've been through COVID lockdowns together been through virtual services for however long that lasted, COVID restrictions after the COVID lockdowns, been through a George Floyd killing in a city 
on fire, literally. We all watched it together. Been through a contentious, controversial election. We've had lots of job losses in this room and for those of you watching online. And in each of those things, you know well that there are spectrums of opinion that people fall on that have caused all sorts of hard conversations for honest relational fractures and a pressure cooker that has sometimes boiled over. It's been hard. It's actually been ugly at times, not just hard. And we haven't always given each other the benefit of the doubt or slowed down to listen enough to really love one another like family. And the normal sin and suffering that happens in life didn't just go away because COVID came. Right? We didn't get like a break from cancer. We didn't get like a, a break from depression and anxiety. We didn't get a break from hard family situations and hard job situations. We didn't get a, a break from any of that just because COVID came. Instead, it just piled on top of our broken patterns of sin and our seasons of suffering. And so if we're honest with ourselves, and if we looked around this room and we looked inside our hearts, we could probably admit that we're a bit of a broken people right now. We're a bit of a broken people. Even as announcements were made this week, there were people who were reaching out to me and saying, I know announcements got made, I know some things are getting better, but like, I'm more nervous now because if it goes back to normal, are we going to think everything's normal? I'm nervous. It's just a, a brokenness. And there's no obvious fixes, right? We can't just snap our fingers. The way we've responded and love each other won't just go away. Suffering and pandemics don't create what's in our hearts. They just reveal what's in our hearts. Suffering and pandemics don't create what's in our hearts. just reveals what's in our hearts. And we've had some stuff revealed. So the question for us, Right, as a, as a pastor who finally got done with the road trip and is looking out on the ocean and feeling serene, the question for us is, where do we go? Like, where do we go from here? What do we do? Do we keep trying? Or do we just throw in the towel and admit that maybe we weren't as much of a family as we thought? Or do we just take the next exit and agree the trip is over? Right? That can be kind of tempting on a 22-hour road trip. Right? To say, well, let's just get off here. Just get off and this trip needs to be over. It's like on the last day of long travel, my two-year-old Quinn, we were having a back and forth about how she was talking to some of her siblings. And eventually she said to me, Dad, I'm just having a really hard day driving. <laughs> right? That's kind of where we're at. <laughs> it's just a really hard days that we've all been in. And here's what I want to see in our text today, is that in the midst of this mess, and the church has always been messy, King Jesus is still reigning. King Jesus is still working. King Jesus is still saving a diverse people that is united in one thing alone, the name and reign of King Jesus. That's what we're about here. That's what we're going to be about. That's what's going to unite us. And in the midst of our 22-hour road trip as a church, Jesus is still real, alive, and working. We are still a blood-bought family, even if sometimes we want to get out of the car for a while. 
This text reminds us of the beauty of our Savior and therefore the beauty of being in this family and on this journey. So let's dive in and see the one thing that never changes, the work and reign and saving power of Jesus Christ. Point number one, submission to Christ by Peter. We find this point in verses 23 to 29. just want to thank Joe and Chris I told Kelly as we're driving and we're, we're, we drove and listened to the services on our road trip, I said it is great to listen into a church that I would love to be a part of even if I wasn't the pastor there. So I thought Joe and Chris knocked it out of the park the last couple weeks to set up this text. And what we see in these verses is Peter is going away with the men that Cornelius had sent to him. So hopefully you all remember the vision of bacon that Chris told us about last week, right? It was a very strong analogy for me, having just eaten some not-so-great hotel food. Uh, This vision that declared that God had declared these previously unclean foods now clean. So Peter, in light of this vision, heads to Caesarea. And as he's journeying there, I love in this scene what we see is that Peter is on his way. And what is Cornelius doing while he's on his way? He's gathering people. He's he's gathering his closest family and his closest friends. He's saying, you got to come. God's about to do something. He's anticipating an important message from God, and he wants everyone he loves there to hear it. We've seen Cornelius has rejected Roman polytheism. He feared God. He cared for the poor. He prayed to God. He's probably not saved yet, but God's working and hearing his prayers So he's gathered a people to hear from God with him, a people he loved, the people closest to him. When Peter comes in, Cornelius is tempted to worship him and he falls at his feet. But like Bruce said so well in his sermon a few weeks ago, Peter tells him to get up as he's too only a man. We don't need superheroes. We just need obedient people. That's what we see all throughout Acts. Peter knows he's not anyone special. He simply met Jesus and wants to obey him. Look at verses 28 to 29. Here's what he says to this group of people as he walks in the room. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why you sent for me? So now we see Peter connecting the dots. Like Bruce said in the welcome, it wasn't just about foods being now clean. It was about peoples being clean. The Spirit told him all foods were clean. And then immediately Peter sent to an Italian soldier and his friends and family, and he actually goes into their household. Now we can't understand this, right? But this would be like you going and watching the election with someone from the other side of the party, right? This would be like you going into a house with people that you would maybe never want to associate with in that moment. And here's God bringing these people together. So what is happening here? Well, we remember chapter 1, 8. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem. Easy enough. Judea. Okay, still safe. Samaria. Getting uncomfortable and even to the ends of the earth to unclean Gentiles that now you'll see are clean because I've made them. So that's what's happening. The Spirit told Peter to go in verse 20. 
King Jesus is working and teaching through his people by his spirit to accomplish his purposes, not just for local Jewish praise, but for global praise. And when the Spirit commands, Peter obeys. Do you see that? He says, I came without objection. That seems like a significant statement to me. Peter could have had lots of objections, right? Go to a Gentile, like, right away? I just had the vision. (laughs) Give me a day or two to get used to this idea. And wait, this, this Gentile is a soldier. Do you know what soldiers do to us? Like, I've been in jail a couple times already. Can I just have a little while to get used to this idea? But he says, Spirit told me and I went without objection. Kids, do you ever struggle to obey your parents when it's hard? Anyone in here ever struggle to obey? Yes. Ever struggle to obey right away? What if it was something super confusing and scary? Parents, you ever struggle? To obey right away? That's something confusing and scary. Well, Peter obeys the command of the Spirit. And King Jesus begins to build his diverse church that is united not by ethnicity or status or vocation, but is united in the name of Jesus alone. This is a huge moment in redemptive history. And how does this happen? Simple obedience. Glad obedience. The journey of the church in the book of Acts was messy and broken too. We've already seen a ton of sin and suffering and brokenness, yet King Jesus keeps working. You remember Peter, right? He wasn't exactly Mr. Consistency before the resurrection of Jesus. In case you think, well, all his problems just went away, we get to the book of Galatians and Paul says I had to confront him to his face. Here is the man, Peter, who's seen a vision of a sheet coming down. All peoples are clean in the home of a Gentile. What's he going to be confronted for later? Partiality. Right? The church doesn't move forward by perfect superheroes, by people who never make mistakes, by people who just got it all together. It moves forward through simple obedience of messy, broken, sinful people. King Jesus continues using those kinds of people who trust His promises to fulfill His purposes. Point number two, submission to Christ by Cornelius. So in verses 30 to 33, we hear Cornelius basically tell this story again about this vision he received where he was told his prayer was answered and he should send a Joppa to find Peter. There's one little part that's added I think is meant to show us this theme of obedience. He says, So I sent for you immediately. Sent for you immediately. Do we just see this pattern, right? You see it all the way in the beginning of the New Testament from someone like Joseph. Sees a vision. What does he do? He goes. Peter, vision. Go do this crazy thing. He goes. Cornelius, call for this Peter guy from Joppa. He asks. Simple dependence, simple obedience, and God leads Peter back to him, back to his family and his friends. And I love that whatever is going on in Cornelius, he realizes the significance of this moment. He hasn't missed it. He recognizes that right there in his home, the home of a Gentile soldier, they are in the presence of the Lord. That's breathtaking if you've been following the story. Where is the presence of the Lord in the whole Old Testament? Where is it? It's the temple, 
right? You have to go to the temple to get into the presence of the Lord. Chapters 2 to 4 of Acts, what's the new temple? The people of God. What are we seeing here? The people of God are now including Gentiles. Gentile soldiers. No more will the nations be kept at arm's length and kept to the outer courts of the temple. God is drawing near to all peoples. Think about this. Bruce already alluded to it. Cornelius, his family, his friends, you, me, these south suburbs. That's what's happening right here. Right? This is Genesis 12 being fulfilled that the nations will be blessed by the offspring of Abraham. This is Isaiah 49 being fulfilled that Jesus will be a light not only to Israel but also to the Gentiles, to all peoples. This is Psalm 67 being fulfilled that the Lord has given a blessing through Israel that is Jesus in order that all the peoples would praise Him. That's what's happening in this moment and that's why you're in this room. Lakeville's a long way from Jerusalem. So we see this disposition of submission to Christ by Cornelius and the stage is set for the eternal joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ to come to pass. Peter walks in the room, Cornelius recounts the story and he says, we are ready to hear all that has been commanded by the Lord. They're in a posture of submission. Just tell us. Tell us what the Lord has to say to us. This whole passage simply screams the supremacy and sovereignty of God in all things. Right? Who brought the visions? God. Right? Who worked the obedience in these men? Came and told them what to do? God. Who brought this lowly, messy, sinful Jewish fisherman to become apostle together with this Gentile soldier and his family and friends? Like, what kind of party is that? God brought these people together. And what is being accomplished in His work? The joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this because we can sometimes hear these stories and go, well, Acts, that's crazy. Even your own salvation. Right? Think about your own salvation. Even if you were saved at age five. In your own salvation, if you think of all the people and places and turns and twists that it took for you to know Jesus from Jerusalem to get all the way to you is no less miraculous. And when you walk across the street to your neighbor and you tell them about Jesus, that continues this miraculous fulfillment. Do you see yourself as a part of the story? Not just hearing about the story. Oh, that was cool. That's what's still happening. This is awesome. This is the turning point where the gospel goes to the nations. Over and over again, we see King Jesus at work in his people as they orient their lives around his throne to bring His kingdom to bear wherever they go. Simple obedience. Supremacy and sovereignty of God in all things by the Spirit. This is our hope today. That God is sovereign. will bring about His salvation for the glory of His name. That He'll orchestrate the circumstances. That He'll lead us in simple obedience. That He'll use broken, sinful, messy people like us for the glory of His name and the fulfillment of all His purposes. Point number three, salvation in Christ for all people. So what does Peter say to them? It's amazing to me, as you look throughout the book of Acts, all these sermons, they're like just saying the Bible again, right? They just talk about Jesus. Not super creative, 
right? No road trip analogies. Maybe it's a mistake by me. Um, But this talks about Jesus, right? So in verses 34 to 35, he acknowledges that God is not mainly looking for ethnicity, but he's looking at a disposition of the heart, people that fear him and do righteousness. He's restating to them this new theological principle he's been shown by God. All things are clean. Ethnicity is not the final word. And then he extends the offer of peace with God and the Lordship of Christ to them. Listen to verse 36. As for the word he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. In other words, he's offering Gentiles peace with God through Jesus and offering to them Jesus as Lord. And then he's just going to tell them, here's how that happened. Here's how this peace and this lordship has been offered to you. Here's how you enter in right now in this moment. So let's look at what he says. In verses 37 to 38, he recounts the earthly ministry of Jesus. He says, Jesus was baptized by John and was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. So what did he do? He went about doing good, healing those oppressed by the devil. We're supposed to see that Jesus is supreme over the devil in all his works. Jesus is powerful. He is Lord over disease and Lord over demons, right? This is not the kind of movie where you don't know if the good guy or the bad guy is going to win. In Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, Jesus wins. (laughs) Jesus wins. At the end of this, Jesus wins. The devil cannot thwart him. A pandemic cannot thwart him. There's nothing that can thwart him. Jesus wins. Verse 39, this powerful God-man who went only about doing good, never did any wrong, was put to death on a criminal's cross. He became a curse for all who would trust in him by hanging on the cursed tree. He died a criminal's death to pay for the sins of the world. Verses 40 to 41. He didn't stay dead. God raised him up, made him appear to his disciples, and all these things Peter says, there's witnesses. Peter says, I'm a firsthand witness. He saw the work of Jesus, the death of Jesus for sins, the resurrection of Jesus to conquer death. Verses 42 to 43, he says that Jesus told them to preach that he is the one who will judge the living and the dead. He's all-powerful. He's supreme. Every person from every nation will give an account to Jesus. That's scary. (laughs) should tremble before that. But at the end of verse 33, he says, how do we avoid that? Well, the prophets testify that whoever believes in the name of Jesus receives forgiveness of sins. So to summarize Peter's sermon here, he's saying, listen, God's made all things clean. There's peace for you here. There's a Lord for you here. If you want to come in this, let me tell you how. There's this man named Jesus. He's more powerful than the devil, more powerful than all your so-called Roman gods. He will have the victory. He showed that power while he was here on earth. The schemes and the plans of the devil will not win the day. And that same Jesus who lived the perfect life, all he did was go around doing good. Like, wouldn't that be great to have on your obituary? Dave went around doing good. Right? No evil, no wrong. It's all he did. And yet somehow he ended up on a criminal's cross to pay for sins. Peter is saying, your biggest problem Gentiles is our biggest problem as Jews we are guilty sinners and the prophets have been testifying that one would come to pay for our sins let's just listen to one of those prophets Isaiah 53 
verses 5 to 6 says this, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was laid the chastisement that has brought us what? Peace. That's the offer here. And with His wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. This is an invitation and an indictment. At the same time, all nations are guilty of sin before a holy God. And all nations can come to have peace with God through the suffering, slaughtered Savior and be healed by His wounds. This is where true peace is found. Right? At the end of the day, this is where true peace is found. Right? We're not going to find peace. We know this. We've learned this more in the last year. We're not going to find peace in our circumstances. We're not going to find the peace we want in any earthly comforts. We're not going to find it in health. We're not going to find it in a consistent schedule. We're not going to find it in a perfect spouse. We're not going to find it in a perfect family. We're not going to find it in any rights we have. Right? All those things are so flimsy for our peace. They can all go away in a second. But you can have peace, like eternal peace, like day by day, moment by moment peace in knowing that your sins have been forgiven and cast as far as the east is from the west. You've got to start by knowing that's the biggest problem. That's exactly what Peter is saying here. Here's your biggest problem. You have the solution. And because of that, when Jesus comes as the judge, and He will come as the judge, those in Christ will not be condemned. That's the best news in the world. <laughs> that's the best news in the world. You don't need to live under the guilt and shame of your sin anymore. Like, you actually don't have to. And when those accusations of shame and condemnation come, they're not from Jesus. They're from the devil, the accuser of the brothers and the sisters. And you say, no, I'm in Christ. There's no more shame. There's no more condemnation for me. He's paid the price for my sins like He said He would through all His prophets. You're free. (laughs) You're free. Confess your sins. Do you sin against your spouse this week? Sin against your boss? Sin against your coworker? Sin against your kids? Kids, you sin against your parents? Just confess it. You're free. There's forgiveness. Been to cast as far as the east is from the west. Walk into the light. The penalty of sin has been paid for. The Father's arms are wide open to you as His child, and the power of sin has been broken. And not only are you free from condemnation, right? It keeps getting better. That's what the gospel does. But because of his resurrection, you have eternal life that starts right now. Not only will you not be condemned, but you'll be raised up to be with him where the presence of sin, the presence of disease, the presence of suffering, where all the tears will just evaporate in his glory. They're just going to be gone. Forever. Like, can you even imagine an hour like that? We have peace with God now, and that peace will culminate in ultimate peace in His presence someday soon. It's all about the name of Jesus. Right? Forgiveness in His name, verse 43. Baptize them in His name, verse 48. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And this is the fullness of that salvation. 
Jesus is the name we love, is he not? Jesus is the name that unites us as a family. Jesus is the solid place we plant our feet. Jesus is the the place that we find rest for our souls, like real, sturdy, protected, refuge kind of rest. Jesus is the place we find unshakable joy no one can take away. Jesus is the one working and teaching among us. Jesus is the one that will work through messy people like us to spread the good news to these suburbs and to the nations. Jesus is the one that will bring good news of peace to those around us. Jesus is the one that will restore our broken relationships and our trust that have been beat up and bruised over the last year. Jesus is the one who will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus will be who we will rally around at this place, in these suburbs. Jesus is Lord of all and Savior of all. Jesus is the one that unites all who believe in him, no matter how diverse they are, what they think about a variety of issues. Jesus is the one that reminds us to love those who persecute us and slander us and hurt us. Jesus is the one that removes our guilt and our shame and helps us walk in new boldness of life. Jesus is the one that is worth every breath, every moment, every ounce of our energy, like every single one. Jesus is our friend, our leader, our savior, our king, our shepherd. Jesus is the one who has united the church in history through trials and tensions and brokenness and schisms. And Jesus is the one who will help us get through this road trip of life and see him in eternity. That's who he is. That's what he's going to do because that's what he does all the time. This is not the hardest moment of the church. Good night. He's going to bring us through this. He's going to bring us to him. Application. Settle myself down here. Beautiful journey and destination of a spirit-filled church. We shouldn't be surprised by Peter's speech because the Holy Spirit's the one working in him. John 16 tells us that the Holy Spirit comes to glorify Him. That's what He does. The Spirit's always going to be doing is just pointing to Jesus. Here's Jesus. Here's what He does. Here's who He is. Here's Jesus. And we see that here. As the person and work of Jesus is lifted up through Peter, the Spirit falls before Peter can even finish. I love using my imagination. Of, <laughs> what did that look like? He's in the middle of a sentence and, whew, all right, I guess we're done. Right? Um, the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out in this moment, confirms that the gospel has gone to the nations. It's a confirmation. They hear them speaking in tongues, right? The same sign that we saw in Jerusalem in Acts 2 among the Jews and among the Sumerians in Acts 8. This sign confirms these people have been brought into the peace and lordship of the kingdom. This chapter ends with these Gentiles baptized in the same name of Jesus and given the same gift of the Holy Spirit As the Jews, no partiality, just one baptized, spirit-filled family. And notice what these new converts do immediately. This is what Christianity is at its heart. They worship. It's what it is. Pastor John Piper has always said, missions exist because worship doesn't. And there's a day coming when It's all going to be worship. We're not going to need missions anymore, but this is why missions exist. Christianity from the first moment of new life in Christ throughout eternity is at its very core, most fundamentally, worship. 
It's an allegiance change. It's an affection change. It's I'm all in here. I'm laying these things down. I'm counting all this as lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Right? We exist <laughs> to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. In the midst of unprecedented times, we still have an unchanging hope and mission. Right? One that has lasted through 150 years. We want to continue to see this happen. We are Gentiles ourselves. We have been recipients of the, the sovereign work of the Spirit to help us see Jesus. We want to see this passion for God spread through the good news of Jesus Christ. We want to see people come into peace with God through Jesus Christ. We want to see people submit to King Jesus with their whole lives. We want to see the Spirit poured out in our neighborhoods and to the nations through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to see lives changed through Jesus Christ. Don't you want to see that? Do you want to see all that? Do you want to get on your knees and get in the fight and love the gospel and beg for more glimpses of Jesus that you just overflow in your neighborhoods and to the nations and your families and your co-workers? Do you want to see more of this? This road trip in Acts and in our own church will continue to be messy. So if you don't got margin for mess, you're just going to have to get off the Christian train. Not get off the Bethlehem train. You're just going to have to get off the Christian chain because it's just going to be messy. We just live in a broken world. There will continue to be disagreements on issues. There's going to continue to be suffering and sin. I'll get, let you know in a secret. The culture around us isn't getting any more excited about the name of Jesus. Right? It's just not. Normal trials and suffering will keep coming. This world is broken. So you've got to count the cost. This is a good moment. Just count the cost. Right? Amen to Jesus. Yes, right? All those things he is, but then you've got to count the cost. Jesus told us to. Jesus is still with us, though, is he not? Has he not met you in your darkest moments? He's still alive. We're still forgiven. We still belong to him. We're still united around his redemption and his reign. Jesus will keep us as we take this road trip toward eternity with him, and his promise is that he's going to show us more of himself along the way. We press forward, Paul says, toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So on our family road trip, right, we pressed forward. like We didn't stop at mile 12 and say, I guess we're just staying here, this weird campground on the side of the road. Um, why? Because we knew where we were headed. Right? There was beauty and joy in the road trip. Right? But it wasn't as sweet as the moment where we got to the beach, right, we looked out at the ocean, and we just had unhurried time in each other's presence. Right? It, it almost felt like all of the tears of life faded away for a second. Right? Until the kids got hungry. And then they all came back. Right? But for a moment, right, you just get, this, you get these moments. You just go, that, like, that's, that, oh, you just want to hold on to it. And then it fades away. <laughs> but there's a day coming when we will gather around the throne with every tribe tongue, people, language, and nation and say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. There's a day coming when He will wipe every tear from our eyes and all sin and suffering will be no more and will be in His presence where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. It is never going to end. 
Right? Even the best things in this life end. This is never going to end. So here's what we're going to do till we get there. We're going to see more of Jesus on this trip together. We're going to commit together to see more of him, to see all we can see, even on our way. We're going to keep seeking to walk in love and forgiveness just as we've been loved and forgiven. We're going to do that together. We're going to invite more people from our neighborhoods and the nations to join us on our way to glory because we have the best news in the world and we know that they need it. And one day, sooner than we think, and that's a helpful perspective, right? Sooner than we think. It's not all about today, especially for the Christian. One day, sooner than we think, we'll be around the throne together because God will fulfill his purpose for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. We'll be in his presence declaring that he is worthy for all of eternity and we won't look back and say it was all worth it except for 2020. We'll look back and we'll say it was worth it. We saw more of you. That's what it took to get us into your presence. And we'll be with people from every tribe, tongue, language, people, and nation declaring You're worthy to be praised for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed a people, this people. Let me pray. So Lord, we're going to come now to your table and we just recognize our need for you. Recognize where we've been divided. Recognize where we've thought other problems were bigger than the problem of sin, recognize where we've wandered, where we've been distracted, where we've been filled with all sorts of ugly things that need to be put to death, like we read about from Colossians 3 earlier. And yet the beauty of the gospel is that you've cast those sins as far as Easter from the West. If we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Lord... In these next few minutes, while we prepare to eat and drink with you, show us afresh how deep your love for us is in Christ. Show us afresh how wide and complete is the reign of Christ over all things. Show us again how you'll fulfill all your promises. Show us again how our deep union is in Jesus Christ alone. And Lord, show us again, where we have things to confess so that we can simply walk in fellowship with you again. So Lord, work in us these next couple of minutes as we talk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.